gosh, we're getting so good at this. I should uh, make some notes so I don't forget. <laughs> what are we making? Notes of what? Uh, making making notes of. Here's a note. Oh. <laughs> uh, Can you make a note? It's good. Was I kind of like that note? It's a good note. We've been watching a lot of Glee, (laughs) so there's been a lot of of singing it. And in my brain, I'm like, I could probably do that. I can't do that, but I probably could do it. You know what I mean? Uh huh. (laughs) You don't know what I mean. Hey, the world is your stage, Brian. It is my stage. I have I have a golden voice. I should be on Broadway. On could, Broadway? Yeah, why not? Uh, if you could choose a musical that you would be in. <laughs> uh, mm, uh, Book of Mormon? Okay. <laughs> you thought I was going to say Cats, didn't you? I thought you were going to say Rent. Oh, Rent! Uh. I saw Rent once. People were having a religious experience when they were leaving the theater. <laughs> and I was like, mm, did, I don't think I saw the same thing everybody else saw. Did you see Cats? I have not seen Cats. Cats. I, I know the music, though. Oh, of course you do. Cats, yeah. I really... You know how you often think you've had a stroke? I really <laughs> thought I was having a stroke in the middle of Cats. I was like, why am I seeing what I'm seeing? This is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I think it's worse than my, uh, my legs are numb. Are your legs numb? <laughs> my, uh, are, are all of our legs? Numb? Are, is everybody legs numb? <laughs> is this normal? <laughs> all right, should we do this? Yeah, man, let's do this. You are on the line this week for our intro. I think I can do it. Hello, and welcome to Backers, a fortnightly podcast where we explore the most compelling campaigns in a random category on Kickstarter and each pick a campaign to back. We are your hosts, Brian DeQueen and Chris Rump, and this week we're talking about what we backed in the dance category. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brian. <laughs> which, which one of us is uh, singing safety dance? We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. I think we all have to. Now it's your turn. Because your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. I say, oh, we can go where we want to, a place where they will never find... And we can act like we come from out of this world. <laughs> I don't know the cadence for that. I've never seen the words. I really don't know what the cadence is supposed to be. It sounds bizarre. I'm not that I'm not sure that key was in my register. <laughs> I'm sorry. And we can dance. Everybody we can dance. Do it. <laughs> Everybody poop in your pants. Okay. So what kinds of things have been going on since the last time we met? Especially in crowdsourcing. There have been a lot of crowdfunding efforts related to the Las Vegas Vegas tragedy. Yeah. And uh, that's, yeah, that's that was a tough going week. On. Yeah, really. Yeah, you, you broke that news to me Monday morning. Um, oh, that's I right. Mean, yeah, usually I get up and I check the news before I come into the office. And for whatever reason, Monday morning, I just didn't that morning. I was just kind of taking life easy. Yeah. And enjoying the family and got to the office and you were like, did you see the news? It's like, what news? Yeah. And I mean, it was just tragic. It's It was tragedy. I think really the very definition of, and my Twitter feed's just been 
just sadness yep. for, for the whole week, right? Yep. A lot of people have been taking that opportunity, if you want to call it that, to try to help the people that have been affected. There's a lot of crowdsourcing efforts on GoFundMe. There's one, the uh, Las Vegas Victims Fund that's raised $9.5 million. GoFundMe was involved in it. They donated $150,000 towards it. So a lot of people trying to reach out and help in whatever ways they can. So I thought that was admirable and goes farther than, you know, just wishing that people are okay, right? Yeah, for sure. And maybe it's worth even mentioning in case it gets listened to, uh, you know, in the future. What we're talking about is the Las Vegas tragedy that happened on Monday where a, a gunman, I don't have the specifics, specifics in front of me, but a gunman um, from a hotel window opened up on a crowd that was enjoying a music concert uh, in Las Vegas. and Yeah, it was the largest shooting-related tragedy in American history, right? There's Right. Yeah, so... Just tons of loss, loss of life. Um, and injuries. There's over 500 yeah. people that got injured. Right. I mean, that's just horrifying and stupefying. It's mind-boggling. I can't picture how that was. I've seen some video taken from in the concert, and it's just... I watched it, and I broke out in a cold sweat. It's just terrifying to imagine being in that situation. You know, you're in a concert situation you were cheek by jowl with the person next to you you don't have a whole lot of room to take off even if you wanted to and you know most of the people just hunker down and if somebody's standing on a 33rd floor or whatever floor he was on just shooting down into them with these very rapid fire weapons i mean it was just senseless and horrifying yeah and especially I mean, the loss of life would be bad everywhere, but it's just magnified by the fact that they were at a concert, right? Yeah. Concerts are a place where you're supposed to go to to be at ease, to really let your guard down, to, to enjoy life, to celebrate music and togetherness and to be lifted up together. So, yeah, to be cut down in the midst of that, too, just... Yep. I don't know, just, just devastating. Yep. But, yeah, you mentioned the campaign, the Las Vegas Victims, Victims Fund that raised close to $10 million so far. Yep. And I had, I had also put in um, the show notes that Casey Neistat had started a Love Love Army for Las Vegas campaign as well the day after or the day of in response to that too. And his campaign has a $1 million goal and they're a quarter, a little over a quarter of the way there. So $276,000 so far from about 10,000 people. So it's pretty awesome to, yeah, Utilize his reach that way and get a quarter of a million dollars in a few days. Yeah, I thought that was really great. Just one of the, you know, premier YouTube superstars immediately doing something. Because we all feel helpless whenever something like this happens. Yep. So for someone to use their reach in that way to to just try and make a, shine a little bit of light into a really dark place. Yeah. I don't know. Very, very admirable. And I posted this because, you know, I think it's amazing response and... I love that people are coming together, but do I find it maddening that it's required? Not only because it happened, but because, you know, these people can't, (laughs) 
are going to be destitute trying to pay for their own survival, right? And that drives me insane that it's required. In this country, you know, where we have so much to have these people that, because of this action, are now looking at the possibility of being broke because of it, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's the financial damage, it's the emotional damage, too. It's Yeah. Why don't we lighten things up a bit? <laughs> as best we can. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard just thinking about this. I mean, it's been hanging heavy all week. Yeah. I don't think this is really a comedy podcast, but no, <laughs> it's just like, uh, I don't know what where you go from there. I think we talk about headless robotic cats. Yeah. So, Brian, I know you have cats. I do. Two of them. Tell me, what's good about owning a cat? Oh, that's such a delightful question. They they require very little maintenance. Okay. As long as they have food and water and a place to poop and pee, they're pretty content. They are fairly quiet. They provide <laughs> they provide affection on their own terms. Okay. Why there, do you I ask? Mean, <laughs> on the downside, though, I was thinking you've got to worry about feeding them. I do. You've got to worry about dealing with the poop. Yep, that's true. You've got to worry about the dander. And some people have allergies. Like okay. my poor wife is pretty severely allergic to cats. Mm, okay. I mean, you've got to worry about the toxoplasmosis. Oh, that's true. I wonder if I have that. I bet I do. How would you know? Are there symptoms? I think you like cats. <laughs> oh, that's right. They You like them more. Right. And I have find, found myself growing fonder of them. So maybe I do have toxoplasmosis. And uh, it's working as designed. <laughs> and you've got to worry, I think most importantly, about the cats trying to steal the breath of children while they sleep. That's, I actually used to fear that. I really yeah? did. Yeah, because I read that story. I forget which story it is, but I, re- <laughs> no, wasn't it on uh, on the Twilight mean, Zone or something like that? Or in the Twilight story? Zone movie? I want to say it was. There was. Yeah, I think it was there. I think it's a. That was a matter of historical record, though. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not a coroner, <laughs> and I'm I'm not a. But you play one uh, on podcasts. I would say I'm not really much of a medical professional either. Hmm. Okay. But I think it's pretty well rooted in historical fact that you can't just have a house and have a cat in your household with small children because there's a good chance that that feline jealousy is going to try and lead them to sneaking into the child's room during the night and slurp the breath out of that sleeping baby to steal their life force and diminish that child's life force and possibly cause them death. Oh, right? Right? (laughs) Sure. That's what we're worried about with cats. It is. You just I guess you hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I took a turn for the worse. So I've been a little bit obsessed today with uh, the idea of a robot cat that has no head. With no head, they can't... They can't suck the life out of anything. They can't suck the life out of your child. Yeah. So this is like the perfect science fiction construct of a pillow crossed with a feline. And it's not science fiction anymore. It's going to be science reality. I just want to see it. I haven't looked at it yet. You haven't looked at it yet? So I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I I think that this product (laughs) may solve all the downsides that there are to cat ownership. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes. But, Brian, I want to introduce you to Kubo. (laughs) 
It's the weirdest looking thing. <laughs> yeah, it looks uh it looks kinda like a tribble that has been really well endowed with a substantial phallus. Um so the product video is in Japanese and I'm gonna take it on faith that the translation is oh. adequately gonna communicate why the world needs this, but here here goes. <clears throat> oh. Tails, a communication tool that doesn't require words, the demo video begins. It goes on to show everyone who might find peace with the cushion-tailed therapy robot. <laughs> Young people living alone in immaculate apartments, children, aha, uh-huh, children, the elderly. The process to healing is easy. Just give it a good pat and watch the cushion's tail wag softly in response. It will also wag and curl the tail on its own via an accelerometer in the pillow. So let me break this down for you, Brian. One, stroke. Two, react. Three, get healed. (laughs) Why did they make it headless? (laughs) I think I'm more freaked out that it's this amorphous blob I told you, with a tail poking out. It's got to be the whole cat sucking the breath thing. <laughs> Just thank you, Japan. Uh, I I, I kind of love this. I think I'm going to buy you one for Christmas. Great. So it, it is expected to cost about $100. But I'm the cool thing is they're probably going to crowdfund it since they've already had a successful Kickstarter two years ago with something they called Boko, a little robot that helps to keep your family connected. Yeah, so man, after this project, you're going to have your hypoallergenic cat with no head, and you can get it in husky gray or French brown. So I'm, I'm kind of into this. Uh, so if you want a headless cat or you want your uh, well-endowed Tribble, this is probably going to be going to be the project for you. That's the worst thing ever. The worst thing oh, ever. It's so, it's so terrifying and, and glorious. I'm not a fan. So, you found another thing about enamel pins. <laughs> oh, we're circling back to enamel pins. I think we have to. All right. So, I put that in there, too, because I've been pondering this enamel pin community we've been circling in on. I think we've had the scales fallen from our eyes, and we're like, what is enamel pins? Over the last few weeks, we have come to understand, I think, what mm-hmm. others have long known, that mm-hmm. enamel pins have taken the internet by storm. So here, here's the thing, Brian. Okay. I realized I have been an Enable Pins sleeper agent oh, this whole this whole time. It's valid. Yeah. For the last three years, I've had a small Enable Pin affixed mm. to the bag that I carry every day. You lived a lie. So I think I showed it to you, but it's a little flag pin. You did. With the Quebec flag, and I picked that up when I was in Quebec City. So I guess what I'm saying is that you lived a lie. I, I've I've lived a lie. I uh, I don't know myself, but <laughs> I think I've been sporting enamel pins for all the same reason that enamel pins are so popular. They're okay. they're wearable. They're cheap. They add flair. Yeah, and it's not nearly as permanent as a tattoo. Okay, <laughs> that's true. I guess it depends on how you affix it. That's, I guess that is true. Uh, you could weld it onto your ear or something. Ugh. Podcaster, but then it wouldn't, then it wouldn't be as it wouldn't be as tradable. That's very, yeah, right. So isn't that one of the hallmarks it of is. enamel pins as well that yeah. it's tradable? We we did the enamel pin thing I mentioned in the first podcast at Disney World. 
with Julia whenever we visited a That's few right. years ago and she was crazy about trading pins. But the saddest thing I felt like is she didn't really give a crap about the value or even the attractiveness of the pins that she had. She got it in her head that she wanted the entire set of these. They look like tribbles. They were these fuzz balls <laughs> and there were like pain. six of them or something that all had different faces on them in different colors. And she had like five of them. And we spent the last two days, I think, at Disney practically not writing anything, but just going from person to person looking for this damn tribble. And I'm almost positive that we had the opportunity when she first got her pins to buy the complete set as her starter. And I would have been like, we would have been done. That's it. We wouldn't have had to do anything. But no, instead she got some other starter kit. And then I don't think she ever found that tribble that she was looking for. But, oh, that kind of But you had the journey, the adventure of trying to seek out. (laughs) Oh, did I? So you're not, you're just interacting with other people that have pins? Yes. Like how how does one advertise their pins? You wear wear them? Oh, dude. So the cast members at Disney, they have lanyards around their necks with their uh, pins their flare yes with their pins proudly displayed or on little bags that they carry on their shoulder they're attached to those and they are compelled to trade with kids if they want it then there are areas set up for pin trading solely for pin trading at certain times of the day where you will get people walking up with these massive binders of pins and trade and hock them together. And, oh, yeah, it's a big thing. So, yes, we would find ourselves at these trading tables with these other people and Julia digging through their books looking for this damn tribble. (laughs) She could never find. Yeah, never found it. I guess by the time Nathan's able to go to Disney, they'll probably have moved on to something else. Like, I I guess when we were kind of growing up, do you remember Pogs or Slammers? No. Well, that was probably, I didn't get into that, so that was probably even a little after my time. That's probably yeah. my brother's generation. We we traded baseball cards. Huh. So maybe the enamel pin thing will, maybe it'll have legs. Maybe he'll be into it by the time we take him to Disney. Maybe uh, maybe it'll be something else altogether. Yeah. It'll be He'll we can hope, tra- right? Maybe it'll be headless cats. That's what I was going to say. Robotic headless <laughs> cats. That'll be the next wave. So, Chris, I have to cool. tell you something. Catch, catch them all. Yeah, I'm, I'm all ears. I got a thing. I got a thing. In the mail? In the mail. I came home one day and there's a box in my mailbox and I'm like, what is this? And I, you know me, I get plenty of stuff from Amazon. I'm, I'm an Amazon... Amazon will go out of business if I stopped ordering from them. You're, you're an Amazon- Amazonian. I am, yeah. But I pulled it out, and it was kind of the right size and shape. I was like, oh, my gosh, I think this is from one of my backed campaigns. So I went inside and opened it, and sure enough, it was my solar system on a cup from my art campaign. Awesome. It has already arrived. Can you that's, believe that? that was, it it feels fast. like it was just the other day that we were talking about it, and here it is. I've never had a campaign that delivered that that responsive responsively. I was going to say responsibly, but that's both responsible and responsive. Yeah. I was impressed, and uh, so it it showed up. It acts admirably as a coffee cup. You would be pleased to note. And so I admit, I looked at it, and uh, 
again, we chose my daughter's birthday to commemorate on this cup. And I'm looking at it and I can see the date printed on it. It says, you know, her birthday. And I'm looking at it and I cannot for the life of me figure out how it's depicting the solar system. It, I'm staring at it and I was like, <laughs> I know I'm looking at the solar system, but I don't know what I'm seeing. And it took me like a day. I went back and looked at it. And I was like, oh, I get it now. So I'll post a picture of it in the show notes this week. But uh, at the bottom of the mug, the bottom of the mug represents the sun all the way around. As you move up the mug. Like the goes, very bottom, like looking up yeah, under the, the mug? No, 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 no. Uh, just the bottom, oh, rim, okay. you know, the, at, at the bottom of it. And yeah, as yeah, you yeah. move up, you move farther out from the sun. So Earth is three up from the, the bottom. And so it shows horizontally around the perimeter of the of the cup where in relation the earth is to all the rest of the planets and and you know all the planets in relation to each other as you move up so their orbits move up the cup gotcha yeah i was very confused for a while though because i could not fathom what i was looking at but i like it it's uh it's attractive it it works and uh it's here so Success for my first backed campaign as a backer. So that's, that's awesome. pretty cool. Well, kudos to those uh, that team for delivering so quickly, too. That's great. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I think I mentioned last week that I was going to talk about the Massive Darkness Hall yes. that um, I delivered on, too. I don't have much more to say about that. So maybe this <laughs> bit of follow-up is uh, really probably... So I really should be, open like, it. What should, what should I, I did open it. I took everything out. I, I ogled them. Mm-hmm. Um, ogled? Ogled? Ogled, ogled, I think. I toggled? Ogled. ogled. I used my eyeballs and I gazed upon them <laughs> with discern, dis, discerning uh, and discernment. And, and so I think still the quality of the whole thing looked great. Uh, I'm still excited to dig in. I just haven't had a chance to play it yet. And I mm. think that'll really tell the tale of... Um, you know, what it's going to be like to own this long term. But I think I've mentioned too, I've enjoyed Zombie Side a lot. And the reviews I've been reading, like on Board Game Geek, I think I've told you that there are kind of two camps around how this game is playing. A lot of people think that it's, I think it has some gameplay issues. I'm interested to dig in there and see if that's true or not. Um, I think one of the things they talked about with Massive Darkness, uh, which is a it's a dungeon dive or a dungeon delve, kind of like D&D, but not doesn't really have the role-playing aspect. Uh, it's more like a tabletop game. Hmm. Um, so you're a bunch of heroes. You're these light bringers going into a dark place and stamping out the evil that you find down in the dungeons. One of the things they tried to do with this campaign was to have a, uh, the Kickstarter campaign was to try and have a campaign mode within the game, which means that your characters would have some carryover from game session to game session. Hmm, okay. And I feel, I think what most people feel like is that this just has been sort of a tacked on element that mm. that part of the game really didn't deliver very much. But if you play the game just as each mission from mission to mission, and don't really think about worrying about carrying your character's progress forward, right. then it plays out pretty well even though satisfyingly it, yeah it maybe needs a few rules real tweaks um here and there but that's the kind of the cool thing that you've got this really vibrant campaign or uh, community uh on uh board game geek that 
people are going to try out different rule sets uh, on their own organically and try and come up with ways to to make the game play to their tastes. So right. I'm still yeah. very, very um, optimistic about it. And as I've mentioned, there's a ton of miniatures that all look to be pretty high quality. I'm excited about getting in there and painting. How long is this game supposed to take? Like, how long is the session supposed to last? I would guess probably around an hour oh, okay. or so for a mission, maybe an hour and a half. But I think it's scales longer of course the more players that you add right that's certainly true for zombie side if you're playing with around three players zombie side moves pretty quick when you start to stretch it to four or five six players it just takes a lot longer for the turns to to go back around so you spend a lot of time waiting for your turn to come back Hmm. and so i think the same thing's probably going to play out here i think it probably slows down a little bit compared to zombie side because they've added some additional mechanics to try and make the game a little more number crunchy have <laughs> more choices as you go but i think that comes at the expense of you get so many options that you're trying to min max every turn right so like i said okay. i'm interested to dig in um i'm just excited that deliver when the box arrived it was about six times the size is what i thought i was going to oh, receive my gosh. and uh I think I've already Christmas. gotten the yeah exactly. I think I've already gotten the the worth out of the project just by the excitement and opening all right. the boxes. So, That's awesome, dude. Yeah, and Simon is a highly respected uh, game developer, so mm-hmm. I think I don't think anybody had any doubts about his ability to deliver. Exactly, I think yeah. they they knew it was going to come through. So let's get to the getting. How are our runner-up picks this week, Chris, in the dance category? Uh, I'm looking at the show notes, and you have an explicative in the Do show I? notes that because we're trying to keep our PG rating here, I'm not going to repeat. But, okay. woo, I mean, we've complained and griped and groaned in the past about, mm-hmm. well, really just the what the crafts category, what we found there. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was nothing compared to what we were in for this week with the dance category. And we uh, almost decided to bail and do something else this week. Chris had mentioned perhaps donating to a charity of some kind instead of forcing ourselves to back. But we thought that would be against the spirit of the show to power through, find something that somehow compelled us to back it. And so we did. We actually did. Yes, we held ourselves true to the uh-huh. to the challenge, to the to the mission at hand. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't want to let our listeners down. We didn't want to le- <laughs> let each other down. Yes. So I did. I told I told Brian this morning. I said, you know, I'm just not feeling super froggy about anything we're seeing in the dance category. <laughs> Even though we, I mean, it's we to had the dance categories credit. I know 32 category mm-hmm. or projects. We were thinking, okay, if it got over that 30 threshold, we were going to dig in and hopefully find something. It was, uh, it was like a wasteland out there. I felt like, <laughs> and so I just thought, you know, what if instead this week we just cut bait and <laughs> we we decided what we would normally take and put on a backing maybe we just donate that to las vegas relief or um even puerto rico relief um because they're still suffering uh the after effects of hurricane maria but yeah i agree with you in the end i thought it was good for the show i mean we could still do that right there's nothing that's holding us back from 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 helping the world exactly but this is the show this is the show this is what we signed up for so 
my final pick this week. Might as well do it. Yeah. No, there are, so there are no runner-ups. Nope. No runner-ups. There, there was one. I'm not even going to mention it. I was going to say there was one <laughs> thing that, nope. Not nope. going to do it. Nope. There are no, no runner-ups. There's nothing mentionable. So my finalist, well, the one that I backed is Sit, Eat, Chew. Sit, Eat, and Chew, a guided immersive dance through New York City's Chinatown, uncovering stories in an apartment, hair salon, park, and beyond, which sounds interesting. And and what's funny is Chris had sent me a picture of this because the, the, the first picture is kind of interesting. Uh, but I read about it more and I admit I was, whenever I saw the picture, I was like, oh my Lord, but reading more about the story. Yeah. I didn't dive into the project at first. I just saw the picture and was like, the story, yeah, the story is actually pretty decent. Yeah, it is. And I like what this person is trying to do. Uh, so I'll just read a little bit here. Uh, I lived in Chinatown for 10 years before I was priced out of the neighborhood. For me, Chinatown was, is, and always will be a mystical place. Years ago, when renovating my apartment, I found an urn of ashes, possible bullet holes, and hand-painted wallpaper hidden behind layers of sheetrock. Across from my apartment, an ancient older man kept watch in a hallway lined with envelopes, and he would never tell me how all of this came mail came to be there. And so these kinds of unspoken narratives led me to create this project. And so... I. It, it seems like a more organic type of thing where they're trying to describe life in Chinatown through almost like vignettes that they're going to do with local people. And I thought that was kind of a cool idea about trying to retain the history and legacy of a place and a people through these little stories. And so I was like, yeah, pretty good presentation and story. So that's what I selected. Yeah, I thought that was really neat too. Just trying to tell the history of a place um, through dance. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah. So I backed it at the level to where if they manage to get backed, and they've got seven days to go, and they're roughly two thirds of the way to their goal, I will get a personal tale or recipe from one of the community participants. So I thought no. that was kind of neat. That is cool. I'd love to get a recipe. I can't even imagine what it'll be. Yes. <laughs> so what did you choose, Chris? So, right. So I chose a project called The Movement Project. Mm. And this is The Movement Project's third annual dance show that they're trying to have backed. The So digging in a little bit, The Movement Project is a program that was founded in 2014 by this woman named Cecilia Wood Woods Woods it's the su- <laughs> Woods goodness the dog that southern like the old. that southern just creeps up sometimes brother and everybody laughed so yeah the movement project was originally founded because uh, some of her friends the Haldermans they had a child named uh, Ari mm-hmm that was diagnosed with a uh, cancerous brain tumor in 2015. I'm trying to get my dates right here, but it doesn't matter. So the dates don't matter. Ari was nine months old when he was diagnosed with Mm. this aggressive form of brain cancer called ATRT, which has a scientific name behind it that I'm not even going to attempt. ATRT is sufficient for, uh, for, for talking about this, but 
in Ari's case, he was he was treated, and as of today, he's still cancer free, as far as I know. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is which is amazing because this this cancer, this ATRT, seems to target children predominantly that are under the age of three, <sighs> which is just just I mean, uh, heartbreaking, yeah. right? Yep. And not only that, it's super aggressive, and somewhere around, um, I, th- I think the survival rate is only somewhere around like ten percent. Yeah, for this. So, and I think it's a pretty, um, at least what they've expressed is it's a pretty low occurring type of cancer. So, and because it's so rare, you know, rare forms of cancers like this, you don't have a lot of cases, so you don't have a lot of opportunity for research, right? So what and not they're a lot trying of funding do, for research either, they, I would exactly, imagine. Especially because like cancers that are very prolific, yeah, you, you see the, the, the impact they're making and people get kind of very much like Kickstarter, right? right. You, you get that um, crowd sourcing and donation for the more known types of cancer and these small ones tend not to be well-funded for research. Right. So what the Movement Project is doing is they're, they're trying to to help this out. So they hold an annual dance show and they give all their proceeds to research for ATRT. Uh, So they're dancing to help fight childhood cancer. And, uh, you know, like we were talking about, like none of the projects were totally really speaking to me. And maybe it's just, I'm not super steeped in dance culture, but you know, a lot of them, a lot of the campaigns just weren't well constructed, weren't well put together, didn't advertise themselves that well. Some just looked downright pretentious or silly. Sure. This was one that I thought really had a great mission behind it, and I didn't mind, backing. you know, in the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Backing in, just just trying to help out. Yep. So I will say that I didn't, you know, I didn't back at a, I backed at the minimum level. But it was what I decided to get on board with. So hopefully they'll continue to to build some steam and reach their goal. They're only trying to reach a four thousand dollar goal. They've got twenty six days to go and are currently at three hundred and thirty nine dollars. So keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, hope they hope they get there and make it. Cause it sounds like they're trying to do do good and trying to make a difference. Yeah. Good on you, man. Well, good on them. Good on them too. Yeah, and um, I'll put in the show notes as well. Not only the, we'll put, of course, the, the Kickstarter project itself in case you want to get involved out there, listeners, but also the website for the movement, which is themovement.dance. And we'll also put in Ari's story because I found that. And that's, you know, a really great story about a family and their child going through this walk of trying to, to fight cancer. So that'll be in the show notes as well. Cool. Well, that's it for dance. We did. Yeah, that's behind it's the us. one Woo! that we scared. Yeah, and it wasn't. I mean, yeah, it was a really big slog, but I think we found a couple of of decent things to back. So I don't feel bad. Yeah, I think what's amazing is you know we're doing this kind of an interesting this this challenging ourselves to go into a category and Kickstarter Kickstarter and just find something to back. That's not the way over the last few years that I've been involved with Kickstarter, right? Mm. You kind mm-hmm. of get recommended a project or find out something through through media and then tend to get focused on, at least the way I was kind of engaging with Kickstarter, is focused on a single project. Right. Or maybe looking at categories of interest to me. So the idea of having to dig in to a category and look through, well, in this case, it was only 30 some odd right. projects, but yeah. in weeks past, you know, like up to 100 to try and find something that resonates has been really interesting. And it's really kind of, 
I think, shined a light on the just amazing number of Kickstarter projects that are out there that just really don't come to the table with a fully formed idea mm, yeah. that you're right, or come from someone that hasn't really been even in, you know, the, the, the project owner hasn't even been involved with Kickstarter. And right. it's like their first project. It's almost like a lot of people out there just looking for for free money. And I think, <laughs> yeah, send me <laughs> I, some money. Yeah, yo, give me some money. So we'll start our Kickstarter pretty soon. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> We've got to get this podcast back. <laughs> okay. Eh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> So, next week, we have design. Have Dude, you taken so, a look at design? I haven't, but I, I'm over the moon. I mean, I'm, I'm jacked. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one. We have, at current count, 551 campaigns to go through. Can I back more than one thing? Of course you can, uh, money bags. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's right. I'm all tapped because I actually ended up buying that pen, that fountain pen last week we talked about. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> I mean, it's only like $29. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you and your fountain pens. I needed new ink. I needed cleaning solvent. So mm-hmm. I ended up buying a pen. So full disclosure, yeah. buddy Chris gave me a fountain pen this week. I did. It's the sweetest thing. I've never owned a fountain pen. Now I have one. <laughs> yeah. And I understand. I'm all in. So open your mind. <laughs> all right. Are we done here? I think so. Cool. That's all our time today. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back very soon with another episode where we will be exploring and backing one campaign from Kickstarter's design category. Backers was produced by Brian Dupuy and Chris Rump. You can find the show notes for this episode and our previous episodes on our website, backerspodcast.com. You can contact us on Twitter, too, at backerspodcast, or our individual Twitter accounts. I'm at Rumpfy, and Brian is at Coldforge. Join us again next time, and until then... Back responsibly.